Hello, and welcome to Linux Action News, episode 288, recorded on April 12th, 2023. I'm Chris. And I'm Wes. Hello, Wes. Let's do the news. We start this week with a story you will only hear in Linux land. A once popular, now 10-year-old tablet will see drivers land in Linux 6.4. Yeah, this isn't a story about a new tablet that's just been announced and drivers are being upstream. No, no, no. This is why I love it so much. This is a story that's so unique to just the Linux ecosystem. Years and years after Google and the vendor abandoned all of these users, left all these devices to go in the e-waste pile, Linux is coming in with some solid support. Now, it just took 300 lines of code for the Novatech I2C touchscreen controller to get working under Linux. And that controller is used in multiple different tablet models, but probably most noteworthy is the Acer Iconia 17B1750, which actually sold a fair amount. That's an old Intel Atom Z3735G quad-core-based tablet released in June of 2014. It sported a modest 1.3 gigahertz CPU, 1 gig of RAM, and 16 gigs of built-in storage. And it had a micro SD card slot and a replaceable user battery. In fact, a lot of the parts are replaceable. The screen, the front and back casing. Um, that's one of the reasons I think this tablet's so neat. That and it's x86. We have one here at the studio. And you can find replacement parts on eBay for everything. Even the little USB port, just a connector that solders onto the motherboard, you could find that on eBay. It originally shipped with Android 4.4. It could have been better. (laughs) And I always wanted to put Linux on there, but this touchscreen driver was the limiting factor. And so the tablet has been in a drawer for years. But perhaps no longer. At least once Kernel 6.4 ships. All thanks to Red Hat's Hans de Hutta. We could pop a new battery in that thing, load up, uh, say, Nix OS, and have a fun, cheap little toy. Your GPU may be coming to the web soon. Firefox and Chrome have been working on web GPU support since 2017. And with Chrome 112 just out the door, we're now getting a peek at what's in store for Chrome Lucky 113. And it seems Chrome 113 aims to ship WebGPU enabled by default. WebGPU is a next-generation graphics API for the web that provides high-performance 3D graphics right in the browser. This is a big deal for anyone who enjoys using graphics-intensive applications or playing games in the browser. But WebGPU... It's different from WebGL, the technology we have now. WebGL is basically a thin wrapper on top of OpenGL, which is itself an older graphics technology. WebGPU, on the other hand, it's more like Direct3D12 or Vulkan or Metal, which are newer, faster, and maybe most importantly, offer more fine-grained control of the GPU. Interestingly enough, there is a catch. It's only going to be available initially on Chrome OS, Mac OS, and Windows. Google has said they plan to roll out support for Linux later this year. As we record, we're not even yet positive that Firefox will ship WebGPU support by default. But you can try WebGPU in Firefox Nightly right now 
by changing some preferences in about config. And the specifics of when it ships might actually matter a bit less than what it means for end users. Because from a high level, adopting WebGPU by the major browsers, it's going to provide several benefits, including improved graphics performance, of course, but also reduced power consumption and perhaps enabling whole new types of web applications. Indeed. Perhaps ones that we can't even think of today. But you're seeing a phrase kicked around a lot. We teased it earlier. It's, quote, we're bringing your GPU to the web. I've seen it used in a few talks as well. I'm not too fond of that framing. In fact, I bet it probably deters some security-conscious users away from the concept altogether. In my opinion, I think it's the wrong way to even just think about what a web, what the web GPU project is. I think it's just simply you should consider it a low-level graphics API that web developers could use to create a high-performance, graphic-intensive application that's delivered over the web. And it's using whatever the best native graphics API is on that local system. But because it is meant for the web, it's designed to be cross-platform from the start, which means that web applications targeting WebGPU can run on all kinds of devices, from desktops and laptops, of course, but also to things like smartphones and tablets. And once you have this kind of ubiquitous API that gives you real performance, you probably start to see a whole new generation of applications with feature sets we don't even think are capable with a web app right now. Maybe stuff that we could only stream in like an H.264 encapsulated stream instance could now just be delivered natively through the browser. I, who knows? I, I, it could also go nowhere, I suppose. But my hope would be, among many things, that with Apple and Google on board with this whole idea and this API, maybe WebGPU starts to free up some game developers from having to use iOS and Android and other platform app stores by default, and they could just begin distributing their entire game over the web directly. KDE developer Nate Graham captured the state of Plasma 6 in his weekly roundup. He went hands-on and reports it is getting closer to being ready. Nate says he can use it on his own machine, but it is still rough. Yeah, he writes, Now I can see why more experienced contributors predicted the need to skip a release and give the initial Plasma 6 release at least an eight-month dev cycle, not a four-month one. That makes it sound like we should all probably keep expectations in check. But, of course, we'll keep an eye on the road to Plasma 6. If you're curious, you can read more about this week's updates and all the various fixes over on Nate's blog. Linode.com slash LAN. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account. That's Linode.com slash LAN. And it's a great way to support the show while you are checking out fast, reliable cloud hosting with real human support. It's been around in the biz for a long time with pricing 30 to 50% cheaper than the hyperscalers with their crazy esoteric platforms. And they have rigs that are great for a personal portfolio or for the backend infrastructure of your business. I've got $5 status machines that run sync thing and a few dashboards and alerts for me. And we've got systems with 48 cores, 96 gigs of RAM. You can really build it up and scale up as you need it. And they have great backend features like S3 compatible object storage, cloud firewalls so the traffic never even bothers your rig, and easy-to-understand backups that are quick to restore and quick to execute when you need as well. 
Plus, they have 11 data centers online today with another dozen coming online this year. But the best part is with that $100, you can really try it for yourself by your supporting the Linux Action News Program. Just go to linode.com slash land. We use it, we love it, and we think you will too. Go get the $100 and try for yourself. linode.com slash L-A-N. And thanks to Collide. Collide.com slash LAN. Collide can help Okta users achieve 100% fleet compliance. If a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud applications until they've fixed the problem. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. It's that simple. Collide's solution ensures device compliance as part of authentication, which reduces support tickets and IT frustration while ensuring 100% compliance. Learn more or book a demo at collide.com slash LAN. To round out this week's episode, we're looking ahead to some great things that will be landing in Linux soon. And we're going to start with some Rust goodness. Patches were sent out in the last few days by Daniel Almeida of Collabora, bringing some of the first Rust infrastructure to the video for Linux 2 framework, also known as V4L2. Starting with a prototype Vertio camera driver. Interesting, a Rust camera driver. Now, this is very early days. The project may not even decide to go with this stuff. These are patches that are not even meant to be merged. They're really just for testing and getting feedback and getting everyone talking about this. If they want to see Rust land in the V4L2 project down the road, they got to start somewhere and they got to start the conversation. But it could take quite a while for actual production Rust support and Rust camera drivers to ship. And speaking of things that take time, Linux 6.4 will bring additional support for the Apple M2 line of Macs. I saw he's really been making some huge strides on supporting the M1 hardware. So it's great to see the project keeping up with the M2 hardware, especially since WWDC is just around the corner. Hector Martin noted in the patch notes that, quote, this brings the hardware support for the machines to the same level as the M1 and M1 Pro Max and Ultra. He goes on to say, the Ethernet LAN device on the M2 Mac Mini is the only working PCI device. The WLAN and Bluetooth devices are powered off and they're controlled by the not-yet-supported SMC. Continuing, Hector writes, the main missing hardware support to make these devices useful are the integrated USB 2.3.4 controller, keyboard and trackpad on the laptops, and SMC to power the PCI, WLAN, and Bluetooth devices on. The M2 Mac Mini currently has no working display output, Due to changes in the display pipeline, it is currently not possible to initialize the HDMI output in the bootloader. Too long, didn't listen. Good progress overall, but you might still be better off sticking with the M1 hardware and running downstream Asahi patches for a little bit longer. But you ButterFS users won't be waiting around much longer. No, sir. Improvements to ButterFS are landing in Linux 6.4 which could make certain functions noticeably faster. And I'll note that the last few Linux kernels have featured fantastic improvements for ButterFS, both 6.3, 6.4, 6.5, 6.7, 6.8, 6.9, 6.10, 6.11, 6.12, 6.13, 6.14, 6.15, 6.16, 6.17, 6.18, 6.19, 6
6-2 and 6-1. But this time around in the yet-to-come 6-4 kernel, the scrub code is getting some serious work in that cycle. That's the function that's used for going through the file system data and the metadata to verify checksums and repair any damaged blocks. And when you're running a scrub in anger, performance counts. It sure does. And we have Chu Wenru to thank for all this hard work, submitted just this week, and now queued for the for next branch of the ButterFS file system. The SUS engineer has aimed to address problems with the existing scrub code, issues like doing way too many jumps and inefficient scrubbing of fragmented extents. This new ButterFS scrub code also features improved performance and better error reporting. Performance is really the name of the game in 6.4 and in 6.3 and in 6.2. It's the season of ButterFS. It's never been a better time to be a ButterFS user because now we're in the really refinement and improving stage and it's going to have all kinds of areas that get impacted by this. I'm I'm quite excited now as a multi-year ButterFS production user. So 6.4 should be out in July, but there's a lot going on, a lot more going in 6.4 too. So We'll keep an eye on that and all the wonderful things that are landing and everything else going on in the world of Linux and open source in every single week's episode. So don't miss a single one. Go to linuxactionnews.com slash subscribe for all the ways to get new episodes. And linuxactionnews.com slash contact for ways to get in touch. If you're in the Pacific Northwest area, join us for our Olympia Linux Spring Meetup in the capital of Washington State, Saturday, April 29th at 1 p.m right here in our hometown, Olympia, Washington. Go to meetup.com slash Broadcasting for details. And even if you can't make it, this show will be back next week with our take on the latest Linux and open source news. Thanks for joining us. And that's all the news for this week. <laughs>